This podcast contains real talk about the mayhem of motherhood, along with a weekly medical mystery. Because all of these topics can be pretty graphic, and because we use explicit language, listener discretion is advised. Welcome to the Motherhood, Mayhem, and Medical Mysteries podcast. On this show, we are not attempting to solve the major medical mysteries of the world or tell you how to raise your kids. We are definitely not doctors or scientists of any kind. We are just two moms here to provide you with support, resources, and maybe a few laughs along the way. We do a lot of research and will definitely share the things we learn, but please talk to a professional if you have specific concerns about your experiences. Here's Melanie. When her grandmother passed away, she requested to inherit the lawnmower and the toaster. And here's Miranda. She once worked for Habitat for Humanity. I'm drinking out of a pineapple. I just want you to see that first. Look at Aww, that. Aw, how Isn't cute. It cute. It's a cute little pineapple. Yeah. I used to have one great. of those. I'm pretty sure it's in your kitchen. Yes. I think you gave me like two of them. So anyway, how are you feeling? I know you haven't been feeling good lately. Oh, I'm getting there. I, I, I did a telehealth and I, I got a hold of some antibiotics. You know how I am. My um, your sinusy thingy. Your all your sinusy thingy. It comes for you like three or four times a year. It comes for you. I just look back at all the telehealth appointments, and it's it seems to have been like twice a year. But that's pretty much like that was my normal. You're probably going to remember this. When Jonah was little, we had um, just a friend that watched him, my husband, mm-hmm. and then would have him for most of the day. And then we took him to like the babysitters for a few yeah. hours. Yeah, I remember that. Afternoons, yeah. Until he was like two and a half, almost three. And then we put him in an actual daycare, 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 daycare. Yeah. daycare. Yeah. And you know, everybody always says, oh, you, you're you going to put him in daycare. You know, kids are so sick when you do that. It's you know, true. Which, <laughs> I mean, that is a very common thing that you hear. Yes, it's true. The kids are sick. But guess who was sick more that year? Me. I was sick. I remember. So I think Jonah ended up, he got sick a couple times but i think he was a little carrier and he Mm. was carrying these illnesses home to me yeah and i've always gotten sick pretty easily like i i would not my immune system gets like a b plus maybe i mean (laughs) it fights Uh. off the major stuff but like if something gets me it gets me yeah yeah so I want to say in that first year that he was at daycare, I ended up on antibiotics like six times in probably eight months. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Which nobody recommends that. That's not recommended. You were on antibiotics probably more than you were not on antibiotics, at least in that window of time, which is most of the year. It was like 50-50 probably at best. Yeah. Well, then in addition to that, I have numerous antibiotic allergies. Right. So that's not working in my favor at all. So there's only certain types of 
antibiotics that they can put me on and they tend to be kind of the more powerful the heavy hitters yeah right and you know i always try to do a, like i always am taking probiotics and like i do all of the things mm-hmm. but sometimes mm-hmm. even when you do all of the things you end up in a really terrible situation so I'll lay it out for you in case you don't remember the specifics of this day. Um, (laughs) We were working together at that time period, but I have to say, like, I was pretty vacant. Like, I wasn't I wasn't around a lot and I was so exhausted. I don't even remember if I was talking to people at that point. (laughs) But um, my husband travels. You know that it's Mm -hmm. it's good for him. It's really annoying for me. Mm-hmm. That's really the only honest way to put it. Yeah, yeah. It's better now, I guess I would say, but when Jonah was really little, that made it really hard. That was because, hard. That was hard. Yeah. But your parents then, were out of state too. So like you are flying yeah. solo. He's I'm, traveling for days at a time and you've right. got a baby you've got to take care of and work 40 hours yeah. a week. So yeah, I'm, I'm working full time. I'm in charge of morning drop off, afternoon pickup, anything that needs done around the house. I've been sick a lot, obviously, mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. as I just mentioned. So there was this one trip that he was out of town. And I want to say it was like four days and it wasn't anywhere near here. I, it was states away. I can't I can't even remember where he was at. So I'm wearing all the hats and yeah. trying to work because I know that the the same situation happened with you, but there was no maternity leave when I had my child. Like you had to use your sick leave. You couldn't. Right. Yeah. There was no right. like separate pool that it was yeah. coming from. Right. So I had like literally drained all of my sick leave all of when I was out with him when he was born. So right. I'm trying to be at work as much as I can possibly be at work, but I've been real sick. So uh, Jared's out of town. I am feeling terrible. And this is not my normal, like normally with me, it's like a sinus infection or a strep throat or sometimes ear infections even. But this was like a GI kind of situation. The worst. Yeah. Yeah. But like a really bad one. Like I've had we've we've all had our share of Of tummy troubles tummy troubles and or you ate something bad or you know whatever but this was like nothing i had ever dealt with before and i was feeling really bad so i called into work i got up i somehow got jonah to the daycare which was across town this is (laughs) when he was in the one that was on the other side of town on the north side yeah yeah I got him to daycare and then my plan was to go to doctor's care or one of those, you know, yeah. what's the name for those places? Like a walk-in clinic. Like a walk-in clinic. So I'm going yeah. to I'm going to a walk-in clinic. I get into the walk-in clinic and they're taking my vitals and the doctor is looking at me like kind of funny. So I don't I you never can read a doctor, you know? Right. Like they're Unless you have a family doctor that you know really well, you don't really know what's going on. I mean, right. You just met the guy. Like, what's he what does he think? You know, they're really smart and they tend to have like kind of unique personalities. So Mm -hmm. like a walk in clinic is particularly hard when you're like, hey, I've had unending diarrhea for 
36 hours. Yeah. And yeah. my husband's out of town and I just dropped my child at daycare. That woman was like, oh my gosh, I don't know what I looked like. I must have appeared very dehydrated. I'm not mm-hmm. exactly sure what the initial mm-hmm. symptoms are, but she's looking at me like, um, you're really sick. And so I explained to her, you know, I've been on antibiotics all of these oh, times, blah, 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 blah. Right. We do a whole rigmarole of things. Anyway, I had C. diff. I'm not sure if you've heard of it. You heard of it? I heard of it the time that you got it. (laughs) And I was like, what in the world is that? Because you did. You you were like borderline dementor looking. Your eyes were like really sunken and like Oh, I was so so dehydrated and just like your all of your color was like gone. You were just like gray almost. (laughs) Yeah. Because you were so dehydrated and so sick. And I was like, whoa, she's having a bad day. Like she's feeling some type of way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that that doctor at the um, at the walk in clinic, she wanted to send me to the hospital. Sure. Because, Probably put and, you on and, an IV. Right. And eventually we will cover what C. diff <laughs> is and all that it entails. But it is a nasty, nasty bug. And it's tied in with having been on a lot of antibiotics. It's, it's yep. kind of a complicated situation. But so here I am sitting at the walk-in clinic. The doctor wants to put me in the hospital and like I have no plan because like I have you just nobody- dropped off your kiddo and you've got to be at work. Like <laughs> listeners at this point in mine and Mel's relationship, we weren't super close friends yet. Or like she would have been like, Miranda, yo, bring me to the oh, hospital, yeah. grab my kid. We didn't have <laughs> that yet. We hadn't no. bonded like that yet. This was early. Because <laughs> how long ago? This was, I mean, John oh, was little. So it was like eight years ago. Yeah, it was a long time yeah. ago. So yeah, just to put my a- name in the clear that I didn't leave you hanging because I yeah, well I just- sorry I didn't mean, mean I was going <laughs> to clarify that in a second but yeah sorry no my bad. we had not been able to bond like that yet because I was still trying to survive the first couple years of my child's life so and you're also I was- stubborn as hell so we'll get to that that well that's <laughs> actually very true guess who didn't end up in the hospital. I didn't end up in the hospital. I said, oh, that's not a possibility right now. I, I can't do that. I have a small human that I have to pick up by 6 p.m. or they'll find me. So what else can you do? And so when you have one of these types of things, it's so ironic because the thing happened because of all the antibiotics you've been on because mm-hmm. you've been deathly ill every other month for the last, you know, eight months. Mm-hmm. But the cure for it is an even weirder antibiotic that came with all kinds of rules like and right at this moment I can't recall the name of it but I will tell you this the person who was checking me out at the CVS counter I guess I shouldn't say CVS I don't even remember if it was CVS could have been Walgreens who knows looked at me and said you can't drink any alcohol on that and I go, okay. Um, you know, I, and right. I'm like, I'm like, I'm not really feeling up to any alcohol as it, yeah. as it were. Like, like I'm, I'm not going home to have a rager in my state. No, because like, like I'm, <laughs> I'm so dehydrated that there's no way I need to throw alcohol. She goes, no, honey, I'm telling you, when you take this, if alcohol touches your stomach, you're going to regret it. And I was like, yes, Whoa. ma'am. Yeah, yeah. 10 she, <laughs> Roger, Roger that. <laughs> She wasn't the pharmacist. She was like the cashier lady and like looking at what my medicine was. Oh, but anyway, y'all, we made it. I made it all the way across that bridge across town with 
I mean, really, the biggest concern was that I'm going to shit my pants because this diarrhea is not like any diarrhea that anyone has ever had. I mean, for real, like comes with a quickness, very little warning, and it's real bad. So I I made it back to get the kid and I got home and we somehow survived. But if I'm completely honest, those few days are a pretty blurry. As well, when as- did you pass out? Because somewhere in there you passed out in the office. Oh, no, that was a different time. <laughs> <laughs> That was before. <laughs> that was before this. That was one of the one of the strep throat episodes that led that up to led this. to. Oh my yeah. gosh! One of the please. few times that I have passed out. I am not as good at it as Miranda is. Yeah, because I've passed out in Mel's office. We've both right. passed out We've in her did. office. Yeah, yeah, but, but I, I mean, you've passed out lots of places. Oh yeah, yeah. That's a saga. But I've never had C diff. It sounds like I don't want it. No, no, no. It can be very, very serious. And in all honesty, I was very lucky that the antibiotics, like the you know, like the antibiotics that you can take from the pharmacy worked to cure it. But, you know, it's tough. It's tough having these little kids and their germs everywhere is tough on us as parents, too. Mm -hmm. And I guess my my message is we we understand (laughs) We we understand. I'm sure somebody can relate to that because whoo, that was a rough couple weeks. Jeez. With with that round. Actually, that was a rough year or two. <laughs> <laughs> well, Miranda, uh, that was a lot of sickness that I just talked about. And as we know, yeah. my segment also <laughs> tends to be about sickness. Enlighten us with something non-illness related, please. I will. I will. I'm happy to do so. Me and my pineapple drink over here, we're just going to, we're going to lighten it right up. We're going to liven the mood today. And what I want to do is take us back to actually our very first episode and one of the, the, key persons that we talked about in our very first episode. Oh, yeah, I know. It's like a blast from the past. In our first episode, I mentioned my favorite, my personal favorite psychologist. Who is Melanie? Adler. Alfred Adler, man. He's my guy. I have such a crush on him. She really does. He's been dead for (laughs) years. It's weird, but I feel like we would have been pals. Me and Al. So, okay. (laughs) Me and Al, man. So I wanted to explore one of the things that he talked about a lot, and that's kind of the struggle of inferiority and superiority. We kind of have this, these struggles, right? Where we have feelings where we feel really inferior. And then on the other side of that spectrum, we can get really unhealthy and have too many feelings of superiority where we become like narcissistic and self-involved and selfish. So we want to focus right in the the middle there and maximize our care for other people and our care for ourselves. Okay. Well, so we're shooting for the middle, but you're going to tell us how to get there. Maybe. I, I kind of want to frame it up. And how, how do we help our kids get there, right? How do we help oh, them balance right, right. this? But that's right. We're here for them. <laughs> that's right. We talk, about, we talk about these kids. What, who are we? Who are we to sit <laughs> down and care about ourselves? Shoot. <laughs> so I want to go back to a, a book that I've mentioned on previous episodes, uh, Raising Self-Reliant Children in a Self-Indulgent World, because it kind of talks about this 
this. So I wanted to expand on a little bit more and talk about how we can help our kids foster a perception of personal significance. What they talk about in the book is how to help our children foster their perceptions of personal significance, which feels very Adlerian to me. You know, it's like we're looking for growth. We're looking for social meaning. We're trying to escape those bad feelings of inferiority. And hopefully we can achieve personal meaning and significance in life, which is awesome, right? Yes, that's the goal. Sounds so great. So this is how we can help our child develop an area where they truly feel like their actions are making a difference, like they're contributing something positive to the world around them. And in doing so, it builds meaning for them. It's significance for them. Okay. How do we do it? Yeah, let's get into it. So I was kind of thinking about this and reflecting like just on my childhood and, you know, did I have an opportunity to do this? What did that really look like for me? And What I'm talking about here is something that your kid can do or you can help your kid do that ultimately benefits not only them, but your family, their school, the community at large, you know, that that ripple effect can kind of go out. Uh, But one of the things that I thought about that my mom did for me, which was super cool. I remember when I got old enough to start babysitting my sisters, my mom paid for me to go to one of those, like, I can't remember if it's the Red Cross that puts it on, but it's yes. like a little babysitting it, class. Yeah, it is. It's the Red Cross. Yeah. And so she paid for me to go to one of these so I could start babysitting my sisters. And it was so cool. And I have, I still have such a vivid memory of it because I was maybe 12 years old. And I remember like my mom dropped me off at the place. I didn't know a soul there. I had my little lunchbox and like my little legal Aww. pad. Yeah. I was like oh, ready to go. Like little baby adult. I know. And so we went in there and the little nurse talked to us about CPR and life support, not life support. Oh my God. I was going to say, I hope not. First aid, I hope, is the word you were looking for. Yes, definitely first aid. I don't want you babysitting. Need to know about that. Well, I don't know. If I'm babysitting you, I probably need to know life support if you're going to end up with (laughs) crazy diarrhea and C. diff. Holy moly. Don't bring it up. Don't don't talk it up. So we practiced like putting band-aids on and we learned how to put gloves on the right way. We had little baby dolls and we changed their diapers and we had the little the dummy where you do the CPR and the little baby, the little baby doll that you do the CPR on. And like I remembered so many things and I was so proud of myself, you know, when I got my little workbook and the nurse like signed the last page. You do love a workbook. (laughs) I'm a sucker for a good workbook, especially when the last page is perforated and you tear it out with with the trainer signature. I was like, yes, look what I've done. I like put that thing up on my wall. But here's what's so brilliant about that, right? Like I, I took such pride in that and it meant so much to me. And I felt like I was doing something that really mattered while at the same time, my mom got this warm fuzzy leaving my sisters with me because she knew I could handle it. She knew I was capable 
capable. She knew I could put a Band-Aid on a, a scraped knee. Or, so long as you don't need the life support. <laughs> so long as you don't need life support. Oh, my goodness gracious. So anyway, did you ever have anything like that? Like, did you ever have an experience like that? Um, I can't recall ever going to like a babysitting class. I know that my mom, I, I'm not sure if they offered it. Mom taught me a whole lot of things and, and my one well, aunt did. it helps when your mom and your aunt are nurses. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I was pretty used to first aid type stuff. I was kind of into that. So I don't think I ever did that class. But I did love stuff like that when I was, you know, oh, I'm going to go to this class like a like a grown person. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's so cool. And so I think what's really going on with that is we feel like we're truly making a difference and we're giving our kids to have this opportunity where they feel like they're really making a difference. And that's, you know, again, I did a lot of reflecting on this and that's really hard to do these days because it's almost like in the last 50 years, like we have shifted from an engaged, close, connected community, you know, generally speaking. And now it's like we're more disengaged, we're more disconnected. Thank you, internet. Thank you, social media. Thank you, COVID. Like we don't know our neighbors. Right. We don't know the people in our communities. And it's it's kind of a shame that, that we're like that. So it feels, I think, harder to impact and make a difference and feel like we can do something that that matters. So anyway, you know, again, the way we communicate, the way that we engage with others has changed. And I don't want to go on a whole tirade about that. But I want to say that my boy Alfred would not be happy. Okay, because my guy Al said that basically, we need two things in life in order to conquer these feelings of inferiority, we have to have goals. So we have to feel like we're working towards something. And the second thing we need is really community. Yeah. So he was he's on to it. I think he was on to something. So the question then is, and you asked it, what are things we can do to help our kids feel significant and help them to feel like they're making a positive impact on whether it's the family, whether it's the community, whether it's the world around them? What are some things that we can do? What are some age appropriate activities that we can think about or get our kids involved with? Short list here, younger kiddos. I think chores can be a really good way to do that and help your kids feel like they're making a, a positive difference in your household. And again, it's truly benefiting your household if they're able to help out with a couple of things around the house. Absolutely. And it takes something off of your plate if they do it right. <laughs> right. If they do it right. And then as kids get older, like sports or extracurriculars can be really good because kids have to learn, of course, how to work with others. And, you know, they, they kind of develop that team spirit, that team identity. It's not about me, but it's about helping the whole team. And I know you did a lot of sports when you were a kid. Did, what was yeah. that like for you? How did it make you feel or like develop your self-confidence or significance? I guess I have kind of a strange answer on that. Like I started swimming on a local swim team when I was maybe eight, I think. And I honestly don't remember not having sports. Like it was like so yeah. normal to me that um, yeah. 
and I was trying to think about that the other day because I was talking to Jonah about something. I think the only thing that I really did before that is we did um, my, all my cousins and I did dance classes. Oh wow! So it was yeah. like, like ballet and, or tap. Or yeah. Something. Oh well, we rotated through. We do ballet one year. We do tap. Then we do jazz or whatever. And I'm terrible yes. at dancing, but it was always group <laughs> routines with recitals. You know. Yeah. And yeah. so I think that was kind of my first intro to like working together, sort of deal. Sure. And then with swimming, you know, it just was kind of a natural progression. But you definitely learn a lot from being involved in something that's team related in any capacity. Yeah. It's almost like it takes you outside of yourself and gets you involved with a larger, you know, a larger purpose. Everybody's right. working together right. for Absolutely. a larger purpose. And I think that's the, the beauty of it. So sports can be really, really great. And it doesn't have to be like athletic sports. I mean, if they're in the band or if they're like me and they want to do musical theater, all of these well, things are still working with others. They could do tap and jazz. You got to work together to get that routine That's down. right. It's choreography and a one and a two. Oh, man. Okay. So then lastly, as kids get older, some things to think about. How can you help your kid maybe think about volunteering or even getting like a job job, like a job, like an actual job right. that can that can be huge and help them maintain those positive feelings, build that self-confidence and feel like they're making a positive impact. And I thought about that too, because I've been working since I was 15. You know, my parents, they own their own businesses and they always had me involved from a very young age, like with helping out with the businesses and things like that. But I actually really enjoyed it. You know, I loved being in a different environment. I loved interacting with people and I loved helping people and solving their problems, which is still basically what I do today, but having exposure and feeling like I could make a difference, even at that young age, I think is a big contributor to what kind of inspires you later on in life to keep that up. You know, you kind of opens your eyes, I think. Yeah, no, I agree with that. And I started working probably around the same age that you did. I think- oh my gosh, what was your first job? <laughs> Well, my first job job, like paid job, was I was a lifeguard at the YMCA. Nice. Um, That's a good one. Eh, It's not as good as it sounds because I was at an old city YMCA where the pool was in the basement and you could like hear the basketballs dribbling on the oh above your head <laughs> yeah yeah oh wow yeah that's um, it, was, it was like it was like dark and wet down there but um <laughs> that was it was that was a really good experience but prior to that I was thinking of it when you were talking about the babysitting class I was actually a teacher for a program that my hometown does called Safety Town. And that's where they teach all of the like little, little kids. Like I think Uh it's kids going into kindergarten, Uh like basic community safety and like what the fire department does, what the ambulance, you know, that kind of stuff. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Here's the best part of it. They do traffic, like they set up the playground at the school like it's traffic lanes, like with stop signs and stop lights and buildings. And everybody rides tricycles and they have to follow the the traffic laws. And then some of them have to go across at the crosswalk, you know, like because they're pedestrians and the other people are the. Yeah. So I think I was about 14. 
Yeah. That is so cool. And like you were making such a big difference in those kiddos' lives, teaching them about safety. Yes. I venture to say, nay, I claim it. Those kiddos would go on years later and they would say, do you remember that really cool teacher that we had at Safety City? Oh, oh no. Oh, no, no. Yes. Listen, let me tell you the one thing that happened. The kid that lived next door to my grandparents was in my class. Yeah. He cut his own hair. Oh, okay. I was supposed to be in charge. Oh, oh, (laughs) he cut it during your during his trip to Safety City. He cut his hair. Why did he have scissors? We had an arts and crafts. We had an arts and crafts portion. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. And he snuck off during arts and crafts and hid (laughs) and cut his hair himself a haircut. Well, you know, it happens. And here's what I (laughs) want you to remember. It wasn't a great experience as my first job. Well, here's here's the thing to think about. So you were 14. You had an entourage of kids that you were trying to manage, and one of them snuck away and cut his hair. My son managed to cut his hair twice in his kindergarten classroom at school while being supervised by two teachers. He cut his hair. So the first time it happened, I was like, oh, that's weird. And the second time it happened, I just laughed. I was like, oh, my gosh, he's got a thing for for cutting his hair. Maybe he'll be a barber. Well, the only thing I was just absolutely, I was beside myself because here I am. You know, who puts a (laughs) 14-year-old in charge of 25-year-olds? Like, that's crazy. (laughs) And and actually, there was supposed to be another person that was also there, but she had stepped out to go down the hall. I don't know what that means. I was only 14. So that's when it happened. But thankfully... down the hall. Yeah. This entire program was sponsored by the Lions Club in my hometown, and my grandfather was a lion, and this kid lived next door to him, so grandpa handled it. Nice. See, okay, but what you just said is exactly what I'm talking about. Like, I feel like in today's society, we don't say, oh, yeah, well, my grandpa's in the Lions Club and he lives next door to so-and-so's kid. Like, at least not in my community. Maybe that's happening in other people's community. I hope that it is. But like, I don't know my damn neighbors that live across the street. You know, well, you and I are from an unusual place where we both move to different areas. Like if we still well, lived in true. our hometowns, we, we may might, know a little more. About we'd probably community. know too many people, more people than we Man. wanted to know. <laughs> Oh, geez. Okay, so circling back at the end of the day, maybe you could think about, again, encouraging your kid to get a job or volunteering. I know that sounds like get a job, be a slob. And volunteering is a really great thing. And you mentioned that I worked at Habitat for Humanity, which was such a fluke because I started volunteering with Habitat for Humanity while I was in college because I was on a scholarship where I had to. I'm not trying to make that sound like I was just this wonderful person. I was a college student who chose to volunteer at Habitat for Humanity. (laughs) No, no, y'all. My scholarship depended on it. I had to turn those hourly sheets in, okay? There it is. (laughs) This was was a one-for-one payback. So anyway, I was volunteering under those circumstances, but I actually really liked it. And then when I graduated, they offered me like a job job there, and it was really cool. And I really did feel like in that job that I got to make a positive impact because we were building wheelchair ramps uh, on people's homes that basically were on fixed incomes or like disability or um, SSI, SSDI. Yeah. And so that was really cool. So all of that to say, 
there's a lot of things that you can do to help your kid, depending on what age they are, to feel like they're making a positive impact in, again, whether it's your family, whether it's their their school team, whether it's your community, whatever. So what can you do? What is a good thing to employ? It doesn't really matter what it is, as long as it's providing them with that opportunity to kind of orient themselves to the world and feel like they're making a difference. Awesome. Yeah. I'm going to try to do better because that boy is just staring at screens out there. (laughs) Minus two, minus two. All right. I took us down a temporary, albeit brief, (laughs) break from your medical issues that are going on. But let's just dive right in. What have you got for us tonight, Mel? Tonight, I am going to talk about strep throat. I'm trying to hit all the big ones, the illnesses that we all end up with. And I wanted to talk a little bit about strep throat. Uh, I've learned some things in the research, so I'm definitely going to share those here in a second. Have you had strep throat? Oh, yeah. Plenty of times. Okay. Not to, not like you have had strep throat. Well, I don't <laughs> let, me, let me be clear. I have had strep throat a quarter of the times that you have had strep throat. <laughs> My hope for everyone is that no one has had strep throat as many times as I have. I'll have to ask my mom, but I think I had it eight times in first grade. Oh, my six, eight, something like that. So I'm like very prone. So, you know, I'm kind of like researching my my old friend at this point. (laughs) But anyway, strep throat, by definition, is an infection in your throat and tonsils. Mm -hmm. I'm already going to sidebar to say to you, did you realize that your tonsils are lymph nodes. No, that makes sense though. Wow. I never knew that. Your tonsils are the lymph nodes located in the back of your mouth. So they're part of the lymphatic system that you taught us all about, which doesn't have a pump, ladies. Your lymphatic system doesn't have a pump. It doesn't. It's passive. It's 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 a passive system. Just out there hanging out. But anyway, I had never realized that. I never really thought about what your what your tonsils are, but there turns out they're the lymph nodes in the in the back of your throat. When you have strep throat, they get really inflamed, and then of course it also affects the other uh, areas around that. Uh, it actually gets its name. We always call it strep throat, strep throat, strep throat. Yeah, it gets its name from the bacteria that causes it, which is Streptococcus Group A. Streptococcus. So there's more than 100 strands of strep A, so mm-hmm. they're not all the same. But, but it's anyway. always strep A is strep it's throat. Always it's always strep A. strep A. Okay. Yeah. So the good thing about strep throat, not that there's a really a good thing about it, but <laughs> it doesn't... Say, what? It, it very infrequently causes more serious illnesses, but there are some, and I'm going to talk about those here in a minute. Now, strep throat is the most common in children who are between the ages of 5 and 15. And as we all know, it often spreads to the siblings, parents, teachers, and other caregivers that, that are around them. Now, this is unusual. I've included a list of symptoms that are not associated with strep throat. So I felt like this would be a good thing to kind of start off with. So if our kid is sick, but uh-huh. they have these symptoms, it's most likely not strep throat. 
So we if, can rule strep throat out. To some degree. That is a cough, a runny nose, if they are hoarse, like, you know, how you lose your voice. Oh, yeah, like laryngitis. Yeah. yeah. If they have pink eye, hmm. those, none of those things are associated with strep. So, so that might be is not if they have a cough, it's not strep. In I think most cases, no. That in and of itself is actually a really good thing to know because it's and, like you're coughing, it's your throat. Oh, your throat's hurting. It must be strep throat. I feel like I've made that mistake before plenty of times with Fisher. But then yeah. with him, it's always an ear infection. <laughs> He's right. never had anything other than just the good old fashioned ear infections. But the runny nose part, too, because a lot of times, you know, we associate, you know, oh, you have a sore throat and then you also have a runny nose. Well, in most cases, that's usually viral. And of course, streptococcus is a bacteria. So that is bacterial, not viral. So I just thought that that was interesting. There is one trait that is almost always associated with strep, and that is a fever. Okay. Now, So you almost always have a fever. It can be a low-grade fever. It can be a high-grade fever. That varies by person, but there is almost always a fever. So we've got a fever. We probably don't have a cough. We don't have a runny nose. And we don't have pink eye. Right. Okay. Then you might have strep. Sore throat, though. Or if our throat sore, is just sore, sore throat, scrappy. Although I will say all the times that Jonah has had strep, he has never said that he had a sore throat. So mm-hmm. I don't know if that's just him or what. Okay, so how common is this? This number kind of blew my mind. Mm-hmm. The healthcare providers see more than 616 million cases of strep what? throat. What? What? Now this really? is a wor- this is oh a worldwide gosh. statistic. So this is the mm. whole world. Mm. But still okay. That's a lot. (laughs) That is a lot. Sixteen million. Oh my goodness! So literally hundreds of millions of cases a year. Yes, and it is worldwide the most common cause of sore throats in both adults and children. So that's something to keep in mind. Like if it is just a really sore throat. Yeah, it it very likely could be strep, especially if there's a fever. I'm not going to go super deep into this, but I found a very recent article from the Chicago area that was talking about how the number of strep cases have increased recently. And this Mm -hmm. article was just from May of this year. So that's weird because usually you think of it being like a late fall winter kind of Mm -hmm. illness. Yeah, yeah. But this was in the summer, this article came out. And and actually, there's a quote in here from a doctor, which of course, again, always in our sources. But he said, usually around winter, you will see a lot more sore throats, and you can see a lot more ear infections with strep. In the summertime, you'll often have strep, but it will present in like a skin infection kind of thing, which is weird. Hmm. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. Um, well, there is- actually, didn't you talk about in the impetigo episode that yes. that's caused by the same bacteria? It can, it can be. It can be. So okay. I'll get to that in just a minute. But- See, I pay attention. I'm not uh-huh. just over here drinking my tequila out of my pineapple. I'm I listening. Mean, damn you it. Kind of, you kind of <laughs> are drinking your tequila out of your pineapple. But, I am. You know. It's so tasty. <laughs> 
<laughs> so anyway, the, the big concern and the reason that I pulled this article is that there is they are worried about the increase in the amount of strep A cases that they are seeing. Strep throat is they've had outbreaks that are rampant in a lot of different communities and schools. And they're actually the CDC is looking into an increase in a very invasive group of strep A infections that can lead to some really serious stuff. So you know how earlier I said it most often isn't serious? That doesn't mean that it's never serious. And there are some significant strains going around that the CDC is trying to keep tabs Hmm. on. Dang. These infections actually include necrotizing fasciitis and streptococcal toxic shock syndrome. So those are like big, potentially very dangerous illnesses that can be tied in with strep A. Scary. Wow. Yeah. Jeez. Now, I do think that this probably has something to do with how overused antibiotics are. And I mean, Mm -hmm. obviously, my whole C. diff situation had to do with an overuse of antibiotics. But the struggle there is if you have something that's not going to go away without antibiotics, you don't really have a choice but to take antibiotics. And then you can end up in those kind of situations. And probably what we have here is something that's sort of turning into a super bug, which is scary. Wow. What does strep throat feel like? Miranda, what do you think strep throat feels like? I mean, the times I've had it, just your throat really, really hurts. It just is painful and annoying and achy and sore. And if someone were to ask me, I would say that it feels like there's razor blades in your throat and it often comes up really quickly. Like, Mm -hmm. I can remember one of those times in that year that I was sick so many times, I felt fine that morning. And Mm -hmm. like, by the time I got home from work, I felt like my throat was filled with razor blades. So it can kind of happen quick like that. As far as contagion, yes, strep throat is very contagious. Some people with the infection don't even have symptoms. There's always those people with all of these illnesses. There's carriers, man, that are just carrying it around, just living their best lives. They're just out there running the streets and spreading the germs. They're just spread, 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 spreading. So we have to watch out for that. Uh, It spreads from person to person very easily, especially amongst groups of the same, like people from the same household or the same classroom. And it can go through respiratory droplets, which I know were talked about a lot. Yeah, that's what I was Respiratory droplets. And if anybody remembers those diagrams from during COVID, those respiratory droplets can travel (laughs) a really long way. They are Um, rotten little buggers, man. They're just riding on the back of the wind. <laughs> they sure are. They're just there. So like Bob you... Seeger on a motorcycle just oh, coasting geez. through the through your <laughs> breath. <laughs> so if you breathe in the droplets, you can get it that way. If you touch something that the droplets land on, then you can get it that way. If you drink out mm. of the same glass, if your slobbery kid has strep and they get their slobber all over you. Ew. It can happen that way. If you get strep throat bacteria into a sore on your skin, you can actually get it that way. So that's... Wow. Yeah. Ugh, Don't that's spend morbid. too much time 
thinking about that because that'll it'll really freak yeah, you out. Yuck. But you're right though. We mentioned the impetigo is a strep A. So it's kind mm-hmm. of all tied together. It's all tied together. How long is strep throat contagious for? That's always one of my biggest questions, you know, yeah. and all of us as parents, like, okay, but like, what are we dealing with here? <laughs> How about, long you know? am I going to deal with this? That's right. That's right. Right. <laughs> Give me and the I, number and I can mentally make it through. <laughs> right. And I feel like all of us in, in probably the entire world, when COVID came up, we were like, what do you mean 14 days? Right. <laughs> it was like, that's my whole life. 14 <laughs> days. What are you talking about? 14 oh days. God. I mean, Jeez. the only time anybody is excited about 14 days is if it's a 14 day vacation. Vacation. Like, 100%. Like, yep. Yep. So strep <laughs> is not contagious for that long. The incubation period for it is two to five days. And again, that's how long you're, you're exposed to when you start preventing with Having symptoms. symptoms. And that's why COVID was so long because it had a really long incubation period. So yeah. this that belongs to strep two to five days is more normal. So that's like within the week, you know, you can spread the infection uh, during that time that you have it. And that might be some of the carriers like you've already got it, but you don't know you have it yet because it's yeah. like incub- it's incubating in there. <laughs> but they say if you're as long as your fever is resolved and you have been on antibiotics for 24 hours, you are no longer contagious. So that's a shorter turnaround time than than some of these illnesses. And I know we were talking about in Empatigo, that's contagious for a lot longer than this. Yeah, that's um, right. It was. Strep throat, it's almost always antibiotics. Did you ever have it at a, as a child that you remember? Not that I remember. I mean, I'm sure that I did, but I don't remember. Like I mentioned earlier, I had it a whole bunch of times when I was in first grade. <laughs> and it is one of my most terrifying memories because at that time, which this would have been in like the mid 80s, the main form of treatment for strep throat was this shot that they had to give you in your butt. It oh, was a not penicillin. the butt shot. Oh, it was man. the big penicillin butt Ooh, shot. We hate the butt and, shot. Oh, and I mean, geez. as a kid, I would have sworn that needle was six inches long. Right? Like, and I mean, two inches in diameter. Like that thing hurt, man. It hurt so Ooh. bad. Yeah. It left um, your booty so sore. Not from my research, but just from my own personal life. I don't think they're really doing that anymore. Jonah has had strep throat a, yeah. a handful of times and nobody's mentioned a shot. <laughs> the other thing that's improved as far as treatment and knowledge of what's going on is when they used to do, because they have to culture it to know for sure that it's strep throat. Yeah. And what and, does that even mean, though, culture it? I've always wondered that. Do you oh, know? they stick that really long Q-tip right. and they it. swab it and then right. they put it on that petri dish thing okay and what grows on there because i i didn't write it down but i think it's a gram negative like they're testing to figure out if it is strep or not or if right. you just have like a virus because then if it's a virus antibiotics aren't going to do you any good right you just so have to that's run the course. determination but when i was a kid that was like an 
overnight or like a 24 hour like waiting you would get period the swab to find out. and then oh, you didn't no. even know until oh, the goodness. next day we are so spoiled with these damn COVID test strips that just light up on the spot but now they have it oh, they gosh. have a quick strep swab that they do and they're mostly using antibiotics that are not a shot in your butt thank goodness you're welcome kids yes. does strep throat go away on its own miranda i know you are a person who tries to make everything go away <laughs> on its own you are hey, not you're... not on its own i try to hit it with some home remedies and some uh, you know okay some... same same difference <laughs> Will strep throat go away on its own without antibiotics? The answer is no. No, no it will bacteria. not. It's a bacteria. It will not go away on its own. Yeah. The only way to treat it is antibiotics. And because of the very small chance that you could end up with a more serious illness if it's not treated, you definitely don't want to take your chances with strep throat. Yeah, or you're um, going to need life support. And, and, and I can't and give that to you. I didn't get that perforated page in the workbook. <laughs> you, you did not get the life support page. Oh, my gosh. So uh, what other kinds of illnesses can this lead to, you might be asking? I, I keep alluding that. to these serious things, but I haven't told you what they are yet. One of the less serious ones is an ear infection or a sinus infection. So that is strep. It's in your throat, but it can get all around in there yes. in your facial area and yeah. cause those types of infections. It's not super uncommon for it to cause abscesses around your tonsils, which sounds terrible. I have never had that. Sounds very painful. So that's just like a pocket of, ugh. There's this other condition called gudate psoriasis. Hmm. Um, It's it's spelled G-U-T-T-A-T-E. Gutate. It sounds very German. Gutate. That is a skin condition that causes small red scaly spots on your arms, legs, and torso. Oh, wow. Scaly. Yeah. Scaly spots. I hadn't heard of that. Scarlet fever, that is one that we have heard of that can cause infection. It's like red bumpy rash all over your whole body. Rheumatic fever, and I think it's rheumatic. It's either rheumatic fever or scarlet fever that oftentimes cause really high fevers. And the biggest concern with rheumatic fever is that that's the one that gets into people's heart valves. Oh, geez. Oh, my gosh. That escalated quickly. Yeah. No, it it goes straight for the heart valves so then you have like there there's a couple different illnesses that do that but there's something about some of those valves in our heart that are like Mm -hmm. sticky to certain things Mm. so if your strep goes untreated and does turn into a rheumatic fever you can end up with major heart valve issues which obviously is a big problem yeah geez and then there's another one and i'm not even gonna try to say it but it's where after you have strep, you can mm-hmm. have kidney issues. Hmm. So that's a weird one. And then I mentioned earlier the ones that the CDC is kind of keeping an eye on. That's an invasive strep infection, they're calling it. And that's when the bacteria enter your tissues rather than just staying in your throat. So I say all of that not Whoa. to scare people, but just to say if it is in fact a sore throat and there's a fever and 
you know, you meet all the other things that I've mentioned, you want to get it checked out because you don't want to take your chance of ending up with like a heart valve issue or, or whatever. No case, way. Maybe. Wow. Now, I cannot tell you how many times I have been asked, do you still have your tonsils? People always ask me that when yeah. because like, oh, I have strep throat. Do you still have your tonsils? Yes, I do still have my tonsils. I had a pediatrician who did not believe in removing pieces and parts of someone's body unless it was absolutely necessary. So I do still have my tonsils. But the thing I wanted to cover is can you still get strep throat without your tonsils? Because a lot of people think you get those tonsils taken out, which turns out is a lymph node in the back of your mouth, which seems like it might be kind of important. I'm just saying you can still get strep throat without tonsils. Yeah, I don't have my tonsils, full disclosure. See? So yeah. you can still had get it, strep throat. But I don't have it 32 times a year like you do either. So Listen, I'm not saying that. I've handled it all perfectly. That. I, I, I did what the doctor said. Because but... my doctor was like, ooh, those things look nasty. Let me take them out of your body. That's what my doctor said. I know, but they're lymph nodes, though. You've Don't you know? Like, you've That's got like so node. many lymph nodes in your body there, Mel. It's they're true. Just, they're just swishing all around in there. I think you it's can true. spare these, too. Are your adenoids, or I think it's only adenoid. Is your adenoid <laughs> a lymph node, too? I have no idea. I'm going to gonna Google you're it. You're going to look. I am. So what's the difference between strep throat and tonsillitis? I thought that was a good question because we've just talked about how strep is a sore throat. Tonsillitis is when your throat is inflamed and infected, but it's almost always caused by a virus. There are some bacteria that can cause it, but it's almost always a virus. And if it's caused by bacteria, it's not strep bacteria. So the biggest concern with all of this is if it's strep bacteria, we need to get it out of our body. And it's only strep A that causes strep throat, which is wild to me. I mean, it, how many strains did I say? There's several hundred strains. Yeah, just of strep A, you said. Just of strep A, That's but crazy. it is always one of those. Adenoids are lymph nodes. So so the tonsils and the adenoids are lymph nodes. Mm-hmm. 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 Huh. Who yep. knew? Now, I did want to share one other little tidbit. This is not from research, but this is from my personal life, and I Ooh. never knew this. Oh, this is good. My child, mm -hmm. I think maybe it was two times, and it was when he was like toddler-ish age, mm -hmm. um, two, two and a half. It was, it was during the, the C. diff era. But it precipitated the, the C. diff. He was acting totally fine, but had what looked like hives all over him. Hmm. Hives. Like it looked legitimately like hives. Like if you eat something yeah. that you're allergic to. Yeah. And so, of course, that's what I was worried about. I'm like looking up, oh my gosh, he has hives, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And I take him to the pediatrician. And like I said, he was acting totally fine. No, no other issues. Well, and he was um, too small to like try to scratch them if they were itchy probably. Yeah. And I take him to the pediatrician and he's like, oh, we're going to test him for strep. And I'm like, whoa, huh? why? Yeah. Like, I haven't noticed a fever or whatever. And he said, oh, no. He said, this is very common in toddler age children oh, wow. that they will suddenly have a rash everywhere 
and they always test them for strep. Now, do you know what one of the other main symptoms that show up in people is when they have strep throat? Well, now I'm going to say hives. <laughs> no, I actually was trying to research that. And every time I tried to look it up, it came back to like scarlet fever or and, oh. and that's it wasn't that that's not how it presented. But a lot of times in children, it's a stomach ache. Really? Like my stomach hurts. Yeah. They won't complain hmm. so much about a throat. They'll hmm. they'll complain about a stomach ache. Interesting. We had that happen. I think that was just one time. I mean, Jonah's nine right now. And I would venture to say he's averaged about one strep throat infection a year. And a couple of those, the only thing that he said was bothering him was his stomach hurt. And he wasn't and he wasn't eating. So just just keep that in mind. I mean, what did he have when he was a baby? What did he have when he was a baby with the hives? It was strep throat. It was was strep strep throat. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Like, I didn't know anything about it. I was like taking pictures of the rash and sending it to my mom going, what do you think he got into? Like thinking it was a reaction to like a laundry detergent or poison ivy or whatever. (laughs) And yeah, the the pediatrician took one look at it and was like, we're testing him for strep, which is mm. always a thing that you don't want them to have to do to your kid. Yeah. That swab thing is long and gross. Yeah. And I mean, it's not I that is a shot in the butt, but it's still it's not, not great. That is a shot in the butt. But what's terrible about it is it's that and a shot in the butt is what always <laughs> happened when I was a kid. Um, and, you know, I don't think that they go so deep because they're trying to get the stuff. Yeah. I think that the COVID thing isn't nearly as bad as that. I mean, you got to keep Oof. your you got to keep your mouth open and I don't oh, know. Bless. But anyway, yeah. like I said, my overall goal is to point out to everyone that this is not something that's just going to go away. If you suspect that your kid isn't well, um, if they've got a stomach ache, if they're lethargic, if they have a fever that you can't figure out another reason for, get them checked out so that you don't end up with one of those serious things that I mentioned. You never know what is going to happen on this show. That's that's what I've learned. And I'm here for it. And I know you are too. And I know you've got a spotlight for us. So... I do. Hit me. I wanted to spotlight something. You know, our goal is to always point people in directions where there are sources that can help for the greater good. There are a lot of really amazing charities out there uh, and different things that we think it's important people know about. We talked a lot in this episode about illnesses and healthcare, and I realize fully, and Miranda, I know that you do as well, that we are speaking from a a point of great privilege that we're able to get ourselves and our children the medical care that they need. That is not the case for everyone. So today, our spotlight, they are called the Children's Health Fund, and their vision is to allow all children to receive the health care they deserve and need to be able to thrive and succeed. Their mission is to lead a national network to bring comprehensive health care to children growing up in under-resourced communities and advocate for the health and well-being of all children. So their website is childrenshealthfund.org. They have locations all over the country, and their goal is to get health care to those kids who don't have access to it. That's a great cause. 
because mm-hmm. we should all have health care. And I'll spare you all my feelings on that <laughs> because <laughs> there should be health care that's equivalent available to everyone. And it's kind of a soapbox of mine, but that is not the reality of the world we live in. So mm-hmm. y'all check out Children's Health Fund. If you like what you hear from us, be sure to follow our show. And if you really like us, you can leave us a review on the podcast platform of your choice. We want to be friends with you. Connect with us on social media by following at Mother Mayhem Podcast or email us directly at Mother Mayhem Podcast at gmail.com.